I think what's interesting about Donald in golf is the LPGA Tour has a really close relationship with Donald Trump. We don't have a lot of individuals that have really put so much time, money, energy, and have this huge platform to really talk about the game and to promote the game and you know buy golf courses. And he just absolutely loves golf. So the Donald that I have been able to be around has been a huge part of the LPGA. He'd be walking around with a putter or walking around in a suit asking you know, players for putting tips or talking about the golf course. He's been a really cool person in my life to be able to call at any time and ask him about a marketing question or a business question. Hello and welcome to the Golf.com podcast. I am your host, Sean Zock, joined today by my colleague, Jeff Ritter. Jeff will be interviewing Natalie Golbis in just a few minutes, but first we're going to do something new with the podcast this week. In an attempt to make the podcast a bit more appealing, we're going to include a little bit more uh, debate-worthy golf discussion each week. We're going to work just as hard as ever to continue having great guests like we did with Martin Keimer last week. We're just going to add to the discussion a little bit more. So Jeff, before we get to Natalie, let's talk about what Mr. Martin Keimer said last week on the podcast with Alan Bastable. Keimer noted how excited he was to play in the Olympics this coming August, representing Germany, but he was a bit caught off guard when Alan Bastable told him about Rory McIlroy and Danny Willett, saying they're still kind of concerned and monitoring the situation of the Zika virus. This is no surprise, really, as the Zika virus is a very serious issue. And just last week, it was reported that over 100 doctors agreed that the Olympics should either be moved from Brazil or at the least delayed away from August until we know more about what the Zika virus really means for everyone's health. To me, there seems to be some important crowd psychology going on with the men of the PGA Tour developing not against, but not directly in favor of the Olympics, especially in regards to Zika. My question to you is, was this the one Zika story that players who are on the fence really needed to validate ditching the Olympic Games this August? Well, it's another it's another bullet in the chamber, I guess, for guys who are looking for a way out or who are on the fence. Maybe they're um, they don't want to um, let down their country, but but they're maybe feeling ambivalent about this whole thing. You know, if we said it before, when guys started dropping out, when Oosthuizen dropped, Schwartzel dropped. Um, it, it gives it sort of makes it okay for the next name to bail if they so desire. And so um, Adam Scott, you know, he really started it. That's a that's a top ten player, big name, household name, a slam dunk uh, to and, qualify yeah. for Australia, and a gold medal favorite. And a guy that had just won a couple of times earlier this spring. Right, like he he's been playing his best golf. You'd think you want to play as many well, not necessarily as many tournaments, but you want to play as many big like high stakes tournaments and, and to get a, a gold medal for the first time in a, a century, that would be as high stakes as it, you could seemingly get. Well, it is for some guys, maybe it is. And for others, it's not. And I think players are, are they're having these, conf- some are having conflicted feelings now of, do I want to represent my country or do I want to just do what I think is best for myself? And then this health concern is another wrinkle. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about the schedule, how hectic it is for the men's side this summer. You've got three majors in the Olympics, so in a nine-week span, that alone is is presents a challenge or, or will make some of the uh, PGA Tour players think twice about it. But then, then you throw in the health concerns and you've got, you know, another reason, certainly a, a fair reason for anybody, especially... Um, those on tour who are thinking about starting a family soon, yeah. and, you know, that, that by what we know of Zika, it seems like that's your biggest risk, um, your 
your pool of players that those would be at the biggest risk. So, um, you know, I, I, we're golf media. We want to see golf. Uh, we want to see a great competition. Yeah. We would love to see golf take off as an Olympic sport, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I I don't begrudge anybody for, for bailing on this, given the health concerns. I was a little, I was disappointed when it was a schedule thing, you know, uh, but health concerns are, this is a different animal. I do find it interesting. I mean, we transition, maybe we'll get Natalie, um, on the phone shortly, but all of the players that are dropping out of the Olympic golf competition are on the men's side. Yeah. I do find it interesting that, that, you know, the most, the vast majority of the women's field are 20 somethings that, uh, will probably, you know, make a sweeping generalization here, but I think it's fair <laughs> to say that many will think about families at some point, uh, just like the 20 somethings on the men's side. Uh, but n- no one's dropping out there. Yeah. I just find it interesting. I, I, I can't explain it. I, I look forward to asking Natalie about about that for her thoughts but uh, it will be interesting and at least just to hear what she thinks um and i I don't think she's necessarily in line uh to be involved with the olympics in any way but just to get her mentality because i think it has to be at least in parts a big mentality difference because you've got the guys in the pga tour who they are at the peak of golf attention and the lpga tour is far from the peak of golf attention and and uh the idea of golf around the world so this is a, it's a huge event for the women because yeah. they're actually they're being put on a world stage probably more than they ever had been before. And their and their tour did them a favor by carving in some time off around the competition, which the PGA Tour did not do for the men's side. So um, I still think the schedule. I mean, players will say what they say, but I think I think the schedule is still the biggest factor. Uh, that's hurting the men's competition and is causing these guys to drop out. Zika. I mean, that's, I, don't, I don't want to take that lightly. And the, the more we learn about that virus, the scarier it seems to get. But I still think that for for the PGA side, it's just it's a packed summer. It's hectic. And guys are kind of looking at that and, and maybe having some second thoughts about it. Yeah, it's tough. And I think that the entire the entire time that golf was announced to be in the Olympics and each uh, each news that has broke along the way regards to Zika, players that are not going to get involved, the format being stroke play, the location, the course, everything along the way, many of those things have been controversial. And that really begs the question in my eyes about golf in the future in the Olympics, because we have golf committed for 2016 and 2020, but there will also be a Summer Olympics in 2024. And right now, golf is not pegged as a sport, and we won't we won't be able to know until about a year from now when the IOC votes on whether golf will continue. And right. right now, you look at golf, and I don't know if there's been a more controversial sport in the in the Olympic Games. There, ha- I don't think there has been, um, and it really it starts with that venue, which you touched on, and obviously we've talked about it here on the podcast, the film that we that we put together uh, about the origins of that golf course and the controversy behind it. Golf just got co- got off to a rough start. Uh, people were disappointed in the selection of the format being a 72 hole stroke play instead of some kind of more fun team event. Um, and then you had the course itself being on a disputed piece of land. Um, we don't need to rehash all that, but it's all, it all just has gone down this hill. Every, every step of the way golf has had this rocky ride. Um, and yeah, the future, we, we know golf will be an Olympic sport in 2020 in Tokyo. Certainly that's a place more equipped to host a golf event. The infrastructure's there, world-class golf courses are there. 
you could easily see players being excited to go to Tokyo and yeah. you know pop over and even play practice rounds. I mean, in Brazil they had a they had a test event. Yeah, at not this new so golf good. Course. Uh, it was open day, invited everybody, and they had nine players, and they were all just Brazilians playing. Yeah. Every every single world top top world player passed on that. Uh, timing wasn't great. It was in March. It's a month before the Masters, a month before the women's uh, LPGA majors kicked off. But it's still everything about this this build up, everything about golf, everything about Olympic golf to this point has been difficult, mm-hmm. and, and and for various reasons. And yeah, something needs to change in this conversation between now and when the IOC meets to decide its future. And that one thing that can change it is the competition itself. Yeah, You can have a great event. I mean, the, the golf course that Gil Hans was able to put together eventually after many stops and starts and controversy, uh, I, I'm not an architecture expert, but it looks great. He's confident in it. Mm-hmm. Um, the stage will be there for something memorable to happen, but you still need... You know, you need stars to be there. You need it to happen. Yeah, you need it to happen. And there's there's more pressure than ever on the event itself to be great uh, because I, I do think it's those two weeks will determine golf's future, at least short-term future, uh, as an Olympic sport. And I think generally speaking, golf is in a really great spot with, uh, as far as the Olympics goes, you don't, you've got, you're going to have four Americans. So uh, the USA would be favored, I guess, as a country. Uh, but you have the best players in the world from are from around the world, Jason Day and Rory McIlroy. Danny Willett wins the Masters. So it, it would be, uh, at least prospectively speaking, hopefully a great competition. But if, as we said, if you wanted to make a case to the IOC against golf being a sport, it would be pretty easy. So we're going to get to Natalie here in a minute. But before we continue, uh, just one quick recommendation for a basketball fans out there, another podcast from Sports Illustrated. After the incredible Game 7 of the Conference Finals, Between the Thunder and the Warriors, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Golden State will take on LeBron James in the NBA Finals. As far as uh, predictions go, I'm going to go Warriors in six. Jeff, what is your rapid-fire prediction? Uh, I am going to rapid-fire Cavs in seven. Cavs in seven. All right. A little dissension within the Golf.com podcast. I like it. Let's get some tension on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. uh, we, We know basketball a little bit, but we know golf much better because we follow that sport all the time. Two people who know basketball better than anyone, especially the NBA, are Sports Illustrated own Ben Golliver and Andrew Sharp. They're watching every minute of this massive finals rematch, and they'll have all the top storylines ready for your morning commute on their podcast. It's called Open Floor. It's Sports Illustrated's NBA podcast. Find it on si.com slash podcast or your podcast app of choice. All righty, Jeff, take it away. You and Natalie Golbis. All right, let's do it. Our guest this week is one of the most popular players on the LPGA and a former tour winner. She's also hosted her own reality show and appeared on several others. Her latest TV show is called 18 Holes, where each week she plays one of the top courses in the nation. You can check that one out on Fox Sports. She's also a member of Golf.com's Most Beautiful Women in Golf, and this year she joined our Golf.com group as a guest columnist. Her latest piece is on her friendship with Donald Trump, and it appears this week. She is, of course, Natalie Gulbis, and she joins us now on the podcast. Thank you for the introduction. Um, This week, we are playing in Atlantic City, so today I'm just going to be traveling to Atlantic City, but a good uh, good weekend in golf. Jordan winning, and also with um, an LPGA player who's won three straight weeks, which is, is pretty remarkable to win any time on Tour, but to win three professional events is just absolutely amazing. I've been trying to practice you know, like pronouncing uh, Aria 
Jatanagarn. I've been I've been practicing that one. It's a name I think all golf fans need to get to know because when you win three times in a row, you're for real at that point. Absolutely, and I don't know. I can't remember, and obviously I don't know all the stats, but I can't remember a tour player winning three in a row on any tour. Um, do you? Do you guys know of any anyone that's won three events back to back like that? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Yanni Sang in her prime. I'd, I have to. I don't have the numbers in front of Monica, me, but we'll, we'll have to check Tiger, that out. Yeah. Any of the other ones that went on big runs and, and won multiple events, but it's just it's really amazing. And to win on three totally different golf courses, I think that that's something else that to you know to play in Ann Arbor, which is a new event. Nobody's played that event. Right. To win in Virginia, um, it's just. It's really, really impressive. Going to have to bring your A game to Jersey this week, Natalie. Absolutely. I mean, maybe <laughs> she's taking the week off. Yeah, that's After true. After winning three, do you, do you keep going? Or do you just take a week off and say, I'm, I'm done? I'd let it ride, especially if it's Atlantic City, right? I mean, you just let I the chips ride. I would absolutely play. I would play. It's, you know, when, you, when you're playing well, you want to play every week. The game's easy. You want to take weeks off when you're not playing well and want to be going home to, to work on your golf game. Yeah. So Natalie, you've done quite a few things with the Sports Illustrated crew over the year. I wanted to I wanted to hit a couple of them. Uh, in 2012, you were uh, featured in the swimsuit issue, Sports Illustrated's uh, widely popular SI swimsuit issue. You were also one of Golf.com's most beautiful women in golf. Another uh, photo shoots there, and then this year you've begun writing columns for Golf.com. Of those three gigs, which is your favorite? Swimsuit issue. I, wow, that no was hesitation. One of the coolest things I've gotten to do <laughs> off the golf course. I had so much fun. I was so flattered and honored that they asked me to be part of a swimsuit issue, especially Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. And that was just so cool. And the hardest one is the column. I mean, yeah. I'm not a, a writer by trade. It is much easier for me to talk to you on a podcast or to do an interview or for you and I to go play golf. Um, and I spend hours looking at that screen trying to think of what to say and how to say it and what sounds best. And now I'm reading other people's blogs and columns. And so that one is definitely the most difficult um, to do, yeah. but it's been, been fun, been fun being a part of a whole bunch of different things. And just the game of golf has been so good to me. It's given me the opportunity to do things that I couldn't imagine I get to do and to be able to travel the world and to be able to, this is my 16th year to still be playing on tour and, um, it's just been now with this TV show that's, um, it's in its second week. It's on Fox sports. It's a really cool show that Jimmy Hanlon and I have together where we showcase, like you were saying, 12 different golf courses. And this week's episode is at Aviar where we have an LPGA event and it's just going to be really cool for people to get to see the show and see where some of the cool courses that you wouldn't expect and also see some of your favorite golf courses and to see a little bit different side of, of my personality and mm-hmm. be able to share most of the lessons that I'm just repeating that I learned from Butch um, that will help anybody's golf game. And it's just a, it's a really fun show to be a part of. And I like this week I'm playing Atlantic city and then I'm going to Cleveland, Ohio, which is probably going to be crazy now with the, with the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> getting, getting around Cleveland, we're shooting, um, an episode there, and then we're shooting one at Scioto, uh, Scioto where they're going to have the U.S. Senior Open this year. And then I'll go back back home for a week and then a couple more weeks on tour. This sounds like a very frantic uh, couple of weeks. How do you how do you stay focused? Is, is your focus today on the course, off the course, or are you just – it sounds to me like you're, you're just – you're juggling so much. How do you keep this all straight, and, and where, where, where is your main focus these days? 
It sounds like it sounds like more than it is, but what tournament? It's very organized. I pick my schedule at the beginning of the year. Um, travel days, like today is an off day. Today's a day where I do emails. I do um, any sort of media stuff I need to do, or any just other things that don't include what would help me on the golf course. But golf always comes first, especially during the season. Maybe in the off season it doesn't, but during a tournament week, golf comes first. It's what I do first. I work out first. I practice first. I get everything I need to do. And being a professional athlete is a 24-7 job. You don't just mm-hmm. go out and practice for a couple hours and then go sit back and, and do nothing. Like it, your diet's included. Your rest is included. Um, you know, the activities that you're engaging in is included. You don't want to wear yourself out. You don't need to be involved in emotional things that don't, you know, help you with, with your golf. Or, um, But for me, I've always really enjoyed having some balance and having other things aside from golf, whether it's going to a baseball game, I have had a TV show, which has been fun. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe something like this week is cool in Atlantic city because I wear a Fitbit for the tournament and it tracks the steps. And then we raise money for the boys and girls club. But for me, all I do is wear the Fitbit, but it's a cool way to showcase how many calories you actually burn playing golf. And this golf course that we walk is 10, 11 miles. And that's neat. And it's also great because we raise a lot of money for the boys and girls club. So the tour is busy in itself having its own, own activities, but it does sound busier than it is, but it is easy to schedule because everything fits in its little, its little time slots. It sounds exhausting, but I, I guess wearing the Fitbit makes sense. Then you can just see how exhausted you should be if you're counting all of those steps, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. But, but tournament, you know, being a, a golfer takes up a lot of time. When the first round is on Friday, it takes five hours to play. I go, yep. of course, two hours before. I practice for an hour after. That's the whole day besides just eating and sleeping. So nothing else happens on on those days, but Monday or Tuesday this week, which is a, is a travel day. That's really the day that I get to do other things. Um, it works. It's worked great. 16 years. So I've, um, I've enjoyed being able to, to do a little bit of a combination of everything. And I think most players do. What uh... I, I know all the players on our tour. And you, you, even if you think of Jordan Spieth and you watch him, do you think he's just playing golf? Like we see him, he's got to do a press conference. Right. He's got to do something to promote the tour. He's got to do something for his sponsors. If you're a number one player, top player, you're doing a little bit more than, you know, somebody that is just barely making cuts or just has, is, just has their tour card. And as a tour professional and as a professional athlete, you always have a little more responsibility. You have a charity you're behind. You're doing stuff out in the community. You know, you, if you're a rookie, you have rookie hours. You know, players, we have player meetings every so often, which mm-hmm. take up a couple hours, or you have a pro-am party. So there is time management and priority management is key, but it's, it's not like we just show up on, on Sunday, play the back nine, and have been week. So 16 years, Natalie, you've obviously, you've had a, a, a fantastic career on the course. You've gotten involved in a number of, of interesting and fun things off the course. What what's left for you in golf? What what drives you to keep grinding away? What what's motivating you to get on that flight and go to Atlantic City this week uh, when you've been at it for so long and you've done so much? Being golf, I love the game. I play golf whether I'm playing in a tournament or not, and I love to be able to play. My body's still holding up. Um, I haven't been able to have children yet, so that'll definitely be a stopping point for me is when I can when I can have kids. But I. I love the game. I love to compete. My body's still holding up. I've had a couple back surgeries. My most recent one that was successful, knock on wood, in 2010. I still love to compete. I love being out around the tour. And as far as the extracurricular 
I like to do things that grow the game of golf. Golf mm-hmm. has been so good to me, and I like to do things that promote the game of golf. And this show was such a cool opportunity to be able to showcase different golf courses, where to stay, where to play, to share some of the tips or some of the things I think about on a golf course and to be able to broadcast that on national television and into audiences. You know, on tour we play on the Golf Channel, but Fox is a whole different, you know, set of audience that you can bring into the game. Maybe we catch a couple people that are just starting into into the game and maybe want to go to a cool golf destination or, you know, maybe somebody who's into podcasts listens to this or someone that, you know, maybe reads blogs gets to a little bit of insight and I just after a couple years on tour my mission has definitely been to be able to get back to game and just get more people excited about golf and that's something that Butch really instilled in me was and also the veteran players on tour is to be able to to give back and this is such a great game that really you do get that ability to even if I don't play on tour hopefully always going to be able to play and always going to be able to uh, to be part of the game. Do you see yourself, um, you mentioned the idea of, of starting a family at some point and maybe shutting down the playing career, but whenever, um, which I guess that would be similar, that would be sort of the, the Ochoa plan, the Annika plan is a very similar. Yep, I'm on the, yeah. I'm on the, fa- I'm on the same, the same tracking plan. Okay. It hasn't <laughs> happened for me yet, but I definitely, you know, those are both two of my really good friends and two mm-hmm. players that I admired both on and off the golf course. Annika being arguably the best player ever and Lorena being, one of those players that came out absolutely dominated, won everything, got to number one in the world, gets married, and before she even turns 30 and retires. And Lorena, I went to, Lorena and I were freshmen together at Arizona. So when I see oh. her now, I I mean, I'm, I'm still playing on tour, and she's had a couple kids. And it's very, you know, very different to see somebody that's my same age, and I'm still playing and still doing different things, and she started a family. But yeah. that's what's cool about golf is there is no, it's not, you know, you can play forever and she's still involved in the game. And, but it's definitely the, the Annika and, and Lorena, Lorena plan. Do you, do you, uh, do you see the show like this Fox sports show, for example, as, as kind of a bridge that you're ma- that you can make now. So whenever, whenever it is uh, time, whenever you do adopt the, the Ochoa plan is, do you see TV and, and that sort of thing as sort of your, your way to continue contributing to golf and, and staying in it? I hope so in a small, and in, in just a part of a way. I mean, I would love to have my own LPGA event. I have mm-hmm. my own Boys and Girls Club event. I'd like to continue to do more golf events that raise money through foundations and through charities. Um, I want to stay involved in the game and just opportunities as they, as they come up. I hope to just to continue to do more and to be able to stay involved in the game. Um, what's nice about not playing full-time on tour, and I don't play full-time on tour anymore, I'm playing mm-hmm. about 10 events, is I do have a little more time. When I was playing 30 events on tour and playing another five internationally, you don't have any other time. I mean, I went seasons where I played 40 events a season, and that's yeah. all that I did. And then I got injured, and then I had a television show on the Golf Channel, which was so cool because I was, you know, nursing an injury, had a show on the Golf Channel, and then I was coming back and had an opportunity to, and you know, we talked about this week is going to be cool because I'm writing a, a a column blog, what we want to call it, about Donald Trump. But what's what's fun about that is I had back surgery a couple weeks before I went on Celebrity Apprentice, and I knew I was pushing it off all season. And then I got to be on Celebrity Apprentice for a couple weeks. By the time I had healed, I shot it in October, came back in January, was playing a full season, and then also 
was involved in a really cool show for two hours on network TV while the season was running. And I've just been so blessed and quite frankly, pretty lucky with opportunities that have, have come my way at really cool times. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about Donald Trump. I don't know if this podcast will, will air before your column hits or if they'll land at the same time or, or if maybe the column comes first, but uh, I'm interested to get your thoughts. We see anybody who watches the news today is going to see Donald Trump and his presidential campaign, and you've gotten to know him over the years, even before uh, The Celebrity Apprentice came about. What is Donald Trump really like? What's, who is the Donald Trump you know? That's good. Good, good startup. Uh, Donald, I think what's interesting about Donald in golf is the LPGA Tour has a really close relationship with Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. We've had multiple events on his golf courses. Our tour championship used to be played at Mar-a-Lago. We've had another event played in L.A. on the Trump L.A. course. And then our U.S. Open next year is played at Trump Bedminster. And he's just one of those people that the tour has been really fortunate that has a the media behind him and also has a lot of money behind him and a huge passion for golf. And he has chosen golf. I mean, now he's involved in Doral, too. And we don't have a lot of individuals that have really put so much time, money, energy, and have this huge platform to really talk about the game and to promote the game and, you know, buy golf courses and he just absolutely loves golf. So the Donald that I have been able to be around has been a huge part of the LPGA, and he's been very accessible to all the players. We stay at his house when we play at the Tour Championship, which mm-hmm. I don't know if a lot of people know. And you go and you play our Tour Championships now moves to Naples, but it used to be at the Donald Trump Golf Course. We would play there at Mar-a-Lago. We'd stay at his house at breakfast. He'd be walking around with a putter or walking around in a suit asking, you know, players for putting tips or talking about the golf course or you know, showing designs of a new golf course that he was opening in. And because through through his event there, I played with him in a pro-am, and he asked me to be on Celebrity Apprentice, which mm-hmm. I initially was very skeptical of because of the fighting on the show and the arguing on the show and the personality types. And he said, I think it would be great for you because it would be great for the tour because you would be talking about golf, would be showing golf, and showing you as a golfer, you'd be able to raise a lot of money for the Boys and Girls Club. And it's going to be on network TV for two hours and it would be a really cool thing for you to be part of. And, and we've not had a, you know, a golfer on yet. And so he was right. Of course I was on the show and then January I got to raise a lot of money for the boys and girls club. And it was a really cool platform for me to be able to talk about the LPGA and be able to be a female golfer that was on, you know, network TV and doing some other cool stuff. And anytime any of our players really kind of go outside of just playing on tour and get to be part of something else special. It elevates our tour and it gets new fans and it also humanizes us. So that's been really neat. And, but Donald has been definitely, I would call him a friend and friends with his daughter Ivanka. And he's been a really cool person in my life to be able to call at any time and ask him about a marketing question or a business question or, you know, something that, to be able to have someone that has those connections where you can ask him, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about, how do we, how do we help the LPGA? How do we get equal pay and try to make as much money as the men off the golf course or on the golf course? Or what do you think about having an LPGA PGA tour event? Who would we contact? What kind of sponsor might fit? And he's been somebody that's always very accessible to ask those questions to. What's the, what's the best piece of advice that Donald Trump has ever given you? Good question. The best piece of advice. Yeah. has ever given me 
to fight for equal pay and to fight for the equal rights, being a female in a very popular male sport, playing a game of golf. And I've been in this now for 16 years. So, you know, imagine 10 years ago when we were fighting for the same marketing dollars and, you know, trying to get more exposure and trying to get, you know, better, stronger TV spots and just that he would continually encourage me to just keep on like not taking the first, the first offer to really just fight for that and to really stand up for yourself and really to go after and, you know, be able to showcase what we bring to the table to a company like a MasterCard or a Lexus or Adidas, somebody that is, you know, spending in golf and what we can bring. And he's always been a big advocate for for standing up for yourself and for, you know, not being afraid to take a risk and to fight for those things. Before we continue our discussion with Natalie Gulbis, one more quick podcast recommendation for you. The 115th French Open is heating up, and if the rain dies down, we'll have champions by the weekend. Tennis fans need to keep up with SI's Beyond the Baseline podcast with SI executive editor John Wertheim. John is pulling triple duty in Paris, reporter for SI, analyst on the Tennis Channel, and hosting his podcast. That's Beyond the Baseline, SI's tennis podcast with John Wertheim. Find it on SI.com podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And with that, back to our chat with Natalie Gulbis. That's interesting because it's even beyond, it's not so much the LP, fighting for equal pay between the LPGA and PGA tours, but he's actually talking to you about your own uh, endorsements that, that you were. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And somebody that has been, I mean, he's he's got the voice of, the the country and he always has he's always been involved in in something and to be able to have access to someone to be able to ask them you know what do you think we'd love to do a, a skin game like the men's have what would it take who would we talk to at, at nbc to be able to do that what would we need to do to get get that done like what kind of a venue could we use you know he has all those outside of the box ideas and his his family's like that too i mean ivanka and eric and they, they all have those those minds. And what's great about all of them is they all love golf. And so yeah. they get it. And they want to see golf grow the same way that you and I do. You you mentioned earlier, uh, you're, you're, you just touched on it. And I wanted to get back to it at some point. Your desire, maybe even to host your own LPGA Tour event someday. Is, is Donald Trump someone that you would consult uh, if you were to put something like that together? I don't know how far you've, you've gone down the road of fleshing that out. I love the idea. I'm just curious if Donald Trump is, is someone that you would you would seek counsel or or I will now that you've said that. I mean that's <laughs> a great idea. I hadn't thought about about going to to him about that, but I've just always wanted to have an event in Sacramento in my hometown. Mm-hmm. My first LPGA event was in Sacramento. And I played in it when I was fourteen and we don't have an event now in Sacramento and for me to be able to have an event and just to play a role in it. I mean, Annika had a tournament, and Tiger has a tournament, and Lorena has a tournament. Nancy Lopez had an event, and these players that I really respect and admire, and I know that I could, when I had just a little bit more time, that I can, you know, help really grow, grow golf in Sacramento, and be able to to give that back to them and get an event back there. Do you uh, do you have you heard from have you been in touch with Donald Trump at all over the course of his campaign? When was the last time you talked to him? The last time that I saw him, we were playing an LPGA event, uh, not an LPGA event. We were playing a major at Trump Turnberry, and he was over there uh, with his family, and they were over there at the same time we were playing, and uh, we we had dinner, and he was getting ready for his first Republican debate. So that was the last time that I saw what him. Did, how he was, had a stack of papers at dinner, and he was asking about the golf course, and I had just got done playing the first round, and 
battling the winds of Turnberry and he's sitting down at dinner and he's got this huge stack of papers getting ready. And I just, it's been, I know we've all been watching this, but just the success he has had in this past year has been so admirable and so remarkable. And I mean, everybody's tuning in. We can't wait to see what's next and the debates that are coming up and what he's going to say tomorrow, what he's going to do tomorrow. He, he is a newsmaking machine. Uh, last one. I think I know the answer, but I'm just curious. Uh, professional golf, uh, the RNA has decided to, to pull away from Trump's course at Turnberry. Uh, Doral is, is maybe relocating as well. Uh, you know him well. Do you have any issue at all with pro golf events being staged at a, at a Trump-owned course? Absolutely not. And I'm surprised that the golf courses are pulling out. Um, I know that when we've had events on his golf courses, they've been huge successes and he's been talking about them and he brings in new partners and brings in new sponsors to our events and really helps elevate the tour more than just in that particular week. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, I actually did not know those other two. So I will be, uh, be researching those. Yeah. It's, we'll, we'll, we'll put it all together for that, for that final draft of the blog. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I also wanted, Natalie, I also wanted to ask you about the Olympics. Um, many of your peers on the LPGA, uh, they've, they've gushed about their desire to win gold for their respective countries. I'm just curious to, to know your thoughts on whether, uh, I guess, from, from the beginning, do you think golf is a good fit as an Olympic sport? I wish I was going to the Olympics and competing in the Olympics. I mean, how cool is that to be an Olympian? As an athlete, I just think it would be an incredible experience to be able to compete for your country the way I've been fortunate in a Solheim or, or World Cup and to go over and to be around the other Olympic athletes is just so cool. Yeah. Um, and as far as going, as far as golfing in the Olympics, I think it should absolutely be in the Olympics. I also do think that it is golf a little bit different because we do have all these huge events. We have the U.S. Open. We have you know, the LPGA and PGA championship. We have the masters, we have our masters that's over in France and we have these big, big events that it's been interesting out on tour because players are talking about their schedules and figuring it out. And, you know, the Olympics comes right in the middle of a really important part of our season. Yeah. You know, the summertime when there's majors, we have five majors, the majors are all around, you know, before the tour championship. And it's interesting to hear the players talk about, when they're going to be going over there or how they're going to figure out how to practice over there. When you have a lot of athletes that have been waiting four years to compete that have been grinding and focusing for this one event. And I mean, it's definitely, it changes the dynamic and I don't think it takes away from the importance of golf being in the Olympics and how cool it's going to be able to showcase golf on the international stage and really just continue again to grow the game of golf. And now globally, but it is different. It's just mm -hmm. very, very different than having four years to get ready for one event. It'd be like me practicing four years to play in the U.S. Open and the different level of pressure and the different level of competition. And But I, I'm, I'm really excited to watch it, and I think it's great for golf, and I'm excited for you know golf to get back into the Olympics and, and to see it. But it is, it is completely different being a golfer when you're planning five majors and these other big events, and then you're also planning – the Olympics too. Yeah. Does it surprise you that no LPGA player has, has taken themselves out of Olympic consideration, but then on the PGA tour side, uh, several top players, Adam Scott, uh, Louis Tyson, um, there's there, 
several guys have. Does it surprise you that no one from the LPGA has 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 bailed out on this? Um, it does. It surprises me more that the PGA Tour players have, and I should probably look at the PGA Tour schedule to see where it falls because it might be an issue to where I don't know if one of those players are defending that week or if it comes at a time that's not easy for them to get to, or you know maybe they. I'm not sure what their reasons are, but I would, as an athlete myself, like being in the Olympics is just, that's the ultimate athletic endeavor. And mm. I think that it's just would be so cool. I mean, don't you think, don't you yeah. want to go to be an Olympic athlete? It's just such a remarkable accomplishment. I think, and I uh, can't speak to them, but I know that if you're healthy and willing and able, I just can't imagine a cooler thing than to be able to be in that opening ceremony to represent the game of golf and to represent the United States. It's just too cool. I would love that honor. Yeah, I get. I mean, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. And I didn't play golf beyond uh, varsity in high school, <laughs> but I still wonder. I think in the PGA Tour, uh, Sean and I were talking about this before before uh, you called in. Um, they're they're playing three major championships and the Olympics in a nine week stretch, and the LPGA has carved out a little pocket where players can take a break and go play for for me the biggest the the biggest uh, i guess surprise is the the zika virus which we don't know a lot about yet but everything we, the more we learn the scarier it is and some of the guys who have who have bailed um sort of cite the two together as their schedule slash zika uh which is a scary th- you know we don't know everything we need to know about it but it seems like a very scary thing for someone who's uh potentially starting a family soon I guess that's why Absolutely. I'm su- that's why I'm surprised there aren't any uh, LPGA players, you know, who are in their in their 20s or thinking about family soon. Uh, but but so far it's full speed ahead. It, it just surprises me a little bit. But I, I mean, I, I'm, w- I'm with you on the the desire we, to play. We had a player media a couple weeks ago, and I know that we have a lot of players that are going to be represented in this year's Olympics. And I didn't hear any any part that said it is not going to be safe for you to go over there or we're recommending you not to go over there. And since I'm not going over there, I haven't looked into it as much as other players, but you know, I do know a little something about catching some viruses that I caught in international travel. And it's something that you need to look at and you need to worry about. Um, But you got to think that you just hope that the Olympic committee and that your country's committee would be looking out for your best interest and tell you, Hey, it's not safe. Hey, American team. Hey, team. It's not, not not safe over there. Or that they would step up and say, "We need to, we need to move move it to another another time or another spot." So yeah. they could just put a big dome over the the village. <laughs> they may. Who knows? <laughs> well, like a I don't NFL know. stadium. They can barely finish the roads there in Rio. I'm not sure they're going to be able to build a <laughs> dome in time. Uh, Natalie, we'll we'll wrap it up there. I really appreciate the time. Uh, good luck in Atlantic City this week. Do you have a favorite? Are you going to hit the casino at all, or is it strictly a business trip? Absolutely. Okay. What's no, your What's your I, casino I, game before I will we go? Absolutely hit the casino. It'll probably be when the the timing works best for like late early. But I mean, I I also live in Las Vegas, and right. I have to have to just give myself the opportunity to win a couple hundred dollars. What's your game of choice? I mean, I love blackjack. I lose money playing blackjack, and I win money playing slot, like playing a oh, silly really? slot. And then I win money playing a slot, and then I go to blackjack and lose it, and then I go back to the slot. It's really, it's not a good situation. But I, I only gamble a couple hundred dollars, and I, I love to play blackjack. And if we have our events are down actually in Atlantic City, like our pro am party and our events. And 
it's fun to get a couple players together and we, you know, get to gamble for an hour or so. And we gamble against each other, though, too. It's not like we're just gambling. We gamble like who's going to win. If we all go in with a couple hundred dollars, who's going to actually win and who's going to lose? So it's like competition on competition. <laughs> you guys can't get enough of competing against each other. <laughs> no, definitely not. Just, that's what we do. All it's right. in our blood. Well, thank you, Natalie. Uh, double down on 11 every time. That's it for the golf.com podcast today. Major thanks to Jeff for joining me and that great discussion with Natalie Gulbis. Thanks to you for listening on the other end here. One more request though, please subscribe to the podcast and maybe give us a rating on iTunes. We love doing them, but that'd be a tiny bit of support that you can give us that is much appreciated. Let me know your thoughts on the show or if you have any other pressing golf ideas or questions you'd like me or any of the other hosts to tackle. Tweet me at Sean underscore Zock that's S-E-A-N underscore Z-A-K, or at golf underscore com, G-O-L-F underscore C-O-M. I'll be sure to get back to you. Until next time, I'm your host, Sean Zach.